Peace to you. Welcome back to The Naked Truth, and thank you for joining me. We're going to wrap up the book of First Chronicles. It looks like we're at chapter 28. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes, and the captains of the divisions who served the king, the captains over thousands and captains over hundreds and stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king and of his sons with the officials, the valiant men and all the mighty men of valor. So it's a, a large gathering of all the officials. It's King David and all the officials. And by the way, you know, this isn't the first time we've read this. This is the first chronicle. It's in first chronicles, but it's telling the same stories that we read already. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's told from a slightly different perspective in the book of Kings. Um, so this story about David is one we've already heard and we already know how his story goes but let's keep reading verse 2 then King David rose to his feet and said hear me my brethren and my people I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and it made preparations to build it so now David is going over the fact that he wanted to be the one to build the temple for God, and I'll just say God, since that's who it's being worshipped as, uh, even though it's it's in all capitals, L-O-R-D, the word Lord, and referring to, that's Lord in English, and as we've read before, it's referring to an, another entity known, deity, known as Jehovah or Yehovah, depending on how you pronounce it, or if you want to use the letters instead, that's who it's referring to. The Y-H-W-H or Y-H-V-H, if you don't want to pronounce the name, um, that entity is who um, is being identified or referred to as Lord in this chapter um, and by King David. And he's talking about how he wanted to build a temple for God, um, verse 3, but God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you've been a man of war and have shed blood. So, um despite what some preachers will tell you when they thump the Bible and make it seem valiant, um, that it's uh, they've killed people in war and make excuses that it's not killing because it's war. And they'll try to split hairs and say it's only murder if you're uh, if it's premeditated, if you're if it's killing otherwise, it's not murder. Um, but how much more premeditated does it get? than killing during wars. You're planning out the attack and sending people to go do the killing. And um, uh, the only other more premeditated way I can think of, well, that state sanction, is the death penalty where you're setting a date for someone to die and you're taking their lives and then you're thumping a Bible and saying, thou shalt not kill. It's all killing. Um, and the I don't know. It, to me, it's all killing. You're taking a life. You're doing something to somebody else that you wouldn't want done to you, which is the golden rule uh, for Christians. And I'm paraphrasing that, but I think you know what I'm saying. Um, so anyway, and the other thing about verse 3 is he, David is saying God said it to him. We already read before in the Gospels where it says otherwise, that uh, we've not heard God's voice at any time or seen his form, and that no one has seen the Father, except he who came from God, meaning Jesus. So um, all those other incidents of people that are in the Bible uh, saying they're interacting with the angel of God, 
capital A angel, meaning it's God Almighty, or at least that's what um, theologians will tell you. Um, it disagrees with what Christ tells us. And as Christians, that's what we have to use as our compass. At least that's what I'd recommend. It's what Jesus tells us. I'm paraphrasing that also. So anyway, back to the verses. Verse 4, however, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he's chosen. Uh, um, sorry, I'm going to start that one again. Verse 4, however, I thought I missed a, a, a verse because it seems like it, um, I skipped over something. I guess I did. The fact that the condemnation that he's saying is what he encountered from God because he has killed people, because he has taken lives during war. Um, and that's not any condemnation on my part, because I don't have what it takes to be a soldier and take someone's life in defense of um, whatever other cause there may be. Um, uh, but I know some people, it takes a certain heart to be able to do that or be willing to do that. Um, so that, that's on them. That's God makes a big picture that we all fit into even doing things that seem to be contrary to what we're reading as what's being from God here, even though, again, Jesus tells us otherwise about anyone having heard God or seen God. So it's always read what you want. Verse 4, however, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever, for he has chosen Judah to be the ruler, and of the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he was pleased with me to make me king over all Israel. So David is saying, out of all the different clans and tribes and people in the house of Israel, uh, God was pleased with David to make him that chosen one and to make his kingdom, his uh, rulership last forever. And Christians generally believe that's accomplished in the fact that um through the, uh, his bloodline, Jesus was eventually born to bring salvation and life to all, whoever will, whosoever will, excuse me. Verse five, <clears throat> and of all, excuse me, and of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons. He's chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. So David is saying he was the chosen one and of all his sons, because he's been blessed with many, he's saying he's um, his son Solomon, the wise one, was the one that God would have be next in line. Verse 6. Now he said to me, it is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts, for I've chosen him to be my son and I'll be his father. So um, he's David is saying these are the words that God told him about the legacy that would arise from David and his son Solomon um, and how it's come true. Verse 7, now one other thing. This is written at a later time, so it's not contemporaneous. It's not like somebody writing in their diary as it's happening or a newspaper coming out or breaking news on a, on a, a text. It's not like that at all. It's someone scribes or whoever is handling the books reflecting back on things that are written and things that have happened and in some cases it seems like they're tying the things together or at least trying to rationalize the outcomes of the way different things went 
At least that's how it seems to me. Um, so verse 6 uh, lets us know that Solomon was the chosen one of all David's sons. Verse 7, moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. So um, David is remembering that there was an if involved in the contract, um, the promise, the covenant with him and his son Solomon and uh, the promise of their legacy, that it was contingent on them being faithful um, to God. And we know from what we've read before that that wasn't the case. Solomon had hundreds of wives, literally hundreds according to the narrative, and side pieces, concubines, um, and also he um, worshipped many different religions, different gods related to those different women that he was involved with because they were from lots of different areas. They weren't all Israelite women. They were from many different nations, hundreds of them. So you know there was a variety. Um, and they um, brought their religion with them to their those marriages and then to please them or be joined with them, uh, worship with them, However it is, appease them, he built temp temples and uh, monuments and things to those entities that those wives of his uh, worshipped. So it turned out to not be so good in the big picture of things, according to narrators and of how things went with Solomon after um, he became king. Verse 8, now therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. So David is admonishing his son Solomon to um, stick to the plan, stay faithful to God, and that the promise is his and his descendants forever. Um, verse 9, as for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart. And with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. I like that verse, that, especially the last part of that verse. It's one of my, uh, one of the verses I sort of recite regularly to memorize and meditate on. Um, and I, it sticks in my mind because some preachers will tell you, Oh, he's God. He loves you forever. He'll never cast you off. We just read it that, uh, at least in the Bible, it's scripture. And it's not red letter. Jesus didn't say it. So I don't necessarily believe it's gospel truth, but I just like the way it sounds. That's, but I separate that from the words of Christ, the, uh, the things he says uh, for us to live by. Um, but that's an example of that, that I, that I think is, uh, um, Something like commits memory, um, but don't necessarily treat as gospel like other books in the Bible. So anyway, Solomon, uh, he's basically giving Solomon his blessing and letting him know that God is with him. Uh, just stay faithful to God. And like I said, it didn't turn out that way after a while, although he still didn't get rejected outright like some of the other in, uh, uh, rulers, characters, kings that arose and queens after him verse 10 consider now for the lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary be strong and do it 
So um, David is letting Solomon know he wanted to build the temple. God told him no. Um, but instead that his son Solomon should do it. So now David is telling him to be strong and do it, build the temple. Verse 11, then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat. So uh, like an architect, David's given Solomon the plans for how the, the temple should be built. And he's including the place of the mercy seat. That is the uh, sort of a replica of what's to believe to be God's throne um, shrouded by angels flanking it on each side with their wings spread out to cover the seat itself and the presence of the one who sits on it um, and also to cover their faces sort of uh, it seems out of a sign of humility. It's the same um, design of the Ark of the Covenant um, that Mercy's seat is representative of. So um, uh, those are the designs and things David has given to Solomon and how to build the temple, but as he's leaving it to Solomon to do the building. Verse 13, also for the division of the priests and the Levites, for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and for all the articles of service in the house of the Lord. So he's saying that the Levites, that's the religious um, tribe of the family, sort of the ones dedicated to the religion specifically, um, to be sort of like the, the preachers, the teachers, the deacons, they're the officials of all the tribes. That's what the, who the Levites are. But there are also priests among them. Um, that's who's been referred to there. And the duties that they'll have in the service of the religion. Verse 14, he gave gold by weight for things of gold, for, order, for all articles used in every kind of service. Also, silver for all articles of silver by weight, for all articles used in every kind of service. So it's talking about the supply of precious metals that were supplied for the temple to be built that David supplied for Solomon. Verse 15, and plenty of gold and silver. Verse 15, the weight for the lamp stands of gold and their lamps of gold by weight for each lampstand and its lamps. For the lampstands of silver by weight for the lampstand and its lamps according to the use of each lampstand. So again, gold for to make all these things of gold with lampstands and the lamps. Verse 16, and by weight he gave gold for the tables and the showbread for each table and silver for the tables of silver. I'm just gonna keep reading. Also pure gold for the ports, the basins, the pitchers, of pure gold and the golden bowls. He gave gold by weight for every bowl and for the silver bowls, silver by weight for every bowl and refined gold by weight for the altar of incense and for the construction of the chariot. That is the gold cherubim that spread their wings and overshadowed the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. So again, it's a replica of the design of what's called the mercy seat, the throne of God in plain English with angels one on each side and with their wings spread out to cover it, even though some preachers will tell you that angels don't have wings. The cherubim here, clearly, that represent the guarding angels, I guess, if you want to think of them that way, because that's how the design of the mercy seat is, the Ark of the Covenant is, it'd be a chair with an angel on each side, the angel's wings spread out covering the um, uh, front of the chair, and I think the other wings spread out covering the back of the chair, if I remember right on the design. Um, 
and so that whoever's sitting in the chair would be hidden, covered, concealed by the angel's wings spread out in front of them. Wings, even though some preachers will tell you they don't have wings because they twist Genesis that says that let us make man in our image um, and say that the angels uh, wouldn't have wings because we're creating the image of the angel. That's not what it says, but you can read that yourself if you want. It's the Genesis chapter uh, uh, here on the Naked Truth. Genesis chapter 1, excuse me. Verse 19, all this said, David, so all those things they use um, the gold to create. So the Ark of the Covenant, the angels, the cherubim, I should say, with their wings spread out covering the mercy seat. But also there was one other thing, the construction of the chariot. Um, it says the gold cherubim, that is the gold cherubim that spread their wings and overshadowed the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. So now that's being called a chariot. So I wonder if, since that's being called chariot, if that's the same chariot or the design of the same chariot that took Elijah away, the one person carried away in what we call a UFO, or I guess a UAF, unidentified aerial phenomenon. I guess that would be a UAP, of whatever <laughs> whatever you want to call it, a flying object. Um, I, it sounds like it's a descriptive of the same thing, that chariot. Um, but instead also called Ark of the Covenant. Verse 19, all this said, David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plans. So now David is saying the way he got the understanding for how to build it um, was through God inspiring him to write it down and design it. It's, at least that's what it sounds like to me. Verse 20, and David said to his son Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. So David is saying, um, make sure you do it, and God will be with you while you do it. And you don't have to worry about God being with you as long as you're doing it, because you have to get it done. And he did get it done, and like I said, he eventually fell away into what we call idolatry through his different connections with other people, marriages. Um, I guess that could be a reason Jesus tells us to not make vows, not make oaths, don't swear, swear at all. That would include marriage vows, I would think. Um, that's just me. Um, but that's what Jesus says. That's the red letters. But back to these letters. Um, Jesus, um, Jesus. So David is telling his son Solomon, encouraging him to go ahead and be sure to stay faithful and build the temple. Uh, verse 21, here are the divisions of the priests and the Levites for all the service of the house of God and every willing craftsman will be with you for all manner of workmanship, for every kind of service. Also the leaders of all the people will be completely at your command. So David is letting Solomon know he has carte blanche, as they say, to be able to write his own ticket and do whatever he has to do to make sure that temple gets built. He's got all the supply. He's got all the labor. He's got all that he needs. The instruction, the designs, everything he needs, the materials to make it happen. So be strong and make it happen. Um, that's what David is letting his son Solomon know uh, that he should do. 
that also was the last of this chapter and I think the last chapter in this book let me make sure um, nope there's one more <laughs> I always keep thinking well, this is shorter than it is I guess it would be one more because it did say he was gonna it seemed like he was gonna go into a list of the different people who are gonna be on his side Solomon's side to do all the building so I guess there would be at least one more chapter in this um, book but for here for now this is where we'll end this read this chapter so thank you for reading along with me hope the naked truth is a blessing for you that you'll join me again i love you see you next time peace be with you